Hello dear listeners, it's Mike. Today I will have the pleasure to conduct the interview part of our podcast. Our new guest is a dynamic first year bachelor student. His name is Cosmo and since his high school days, he has been the initiator of several projects and achievements. He co-launched a podcast. Moreover, he has greatly participated in the implementation of a finance and stock market course. It is also during that period that he co-founded his new project, Equity, a board game on financial market. Within ESCP, he is a member of the Agora ESCP Union as London Campus Referee and Treasurer. As you can see, dear listeners, our guest of the day is an interesting profile who has a lot of lot to share, but today we will focus on the finance industry. Cosmo, welcome to ESCP on Air. First of all, how are you, Cosmo? It's a pleasure to have you in the podcast. Well, I'd like to thank you for that very flattering introduction. Hopefully, I can I can live up to its quality in this interview. I'm very well, Mike. Thank so, you very much. So if the ESCP on Air team thought of you for this episode, it is because of your well-known interest in finance. Where does it come from and what can you tell us about this interest? and how people can acquire a broad knowledge of the financial markets like you? Well, uh, that's such, a, such an interesting question. Thank you for, for, coming, up for, for coming up with that one. Uh, actually, I, I started really getting interested in finance with the COVID-19 pandemic, spending so much time at home and having so few lessons, actually, because they'd reduced our, our weekly lesson time by, I think, about 10 hours, meant that I had that much more time to explore, namely the internet. And it was also a pivotal time in the stock market. It was one in which uh, it saw almost unprecedented volatility, a huge crash followed by, you know, huge stimuli, stimuli. So it was an interesting period and it was sort of my introduction to financial markets and to finance. I mean, within my, my personal, personal background, I my, my parents hadn't been too involved in finance, both being artists, but I felt as if it was sort of an invaluable skill that everybody needs to have. So I taught myself. And well, to answer the question of how other people can acquire financial education, well, un unfortunately, it's the nature of financial education as it stands is, is very inequitable. Actually, about 70% of the financial knowledge you inherit will come from your parents, your closest friends, your family. So if you're in a background like mine, where both your parents are artists, which is fantastic, you won't have any financial education. At least you'll have a lot less than the son of a banker or of an accountant. And, and I think that's a real shame. In fact, financial education doesn't even exist in, in schools where Though you are taught economics, though you're taught mathematics, somehow finance fell through the gaps. So that's something I'm trying to change. And it's, it's a, an issue I, I try to address in actually most of my, my endeavors and undertakings nowadays. I'd say in the meantime, try and be very careful of your sources. Obviously, the Internet is, a, is an absolutely fantastic resource, but you need to make the most of it. You need to know how to use it responsibly. So don't follow any random person online. And certainly don't follow their, their financial advice. Get well informed. In fact, you'll have plenty of access to courses, both free and paid by famous universities and individuals, which I think can, can bring a lot. So you, you, 
I, I'd say the bulk of your resources are online and worst comes to work, worst comes to worst, be a traditionalist, go to a library, find a book about finance, you'll learn a lot. Okay, so now we are going to talk about a subject that many students are passionate about, investment. What advice can you give to a student who would like to invest in the financial markets and especially how to get into it? Stocks, bonds, derivatives, which options? Well, first of all, I think you, you should understand why you're interested in financial markets. I, I think if you're doing it for the money, um, that's great, but uh, you, you won't find longevity in your interest in financial markets because you won't find any success in financial markets if you're just doing it for the money, unless you're very, very passionate about the money. Um, ultimately, it, it's a skill, it's an art, it's a science like any other, and you need to be able to enjoy it. If you don't, then the sole reason you'd be involved with financial markets is to have some kind of financial stability or independence. And I think that that's important for everyone to have, but it doesn't necessarily mean being very involved in your own investments. It just means being invested in how you manage your money, being invested in being responsible with your money, savings and so on. So it doesn't need to mean you have, uh, you have, direct authority over your investments in stocks and so on. But for those who are passionate about financial markets or, or at the very least are interested, I'd say start with a simulator. That's what I did and it's what many more do. And again, you have so many resources online that facilitate that. Read the news, open a newspaper, try and see whether you can beat what fund managers can't by following what they say. On, on social media, just like on those newspapers, and see where it takes you. If you're successful with that simulator, maybe you'll find success with real money. Okay, so what's your take on cryptocurrency? Well, cryptocurrencies um, obviously have, have come into vogue uh, this last decade, especially. Uh, I still refer to them uh, as crypto assets, as our uh, dear friend Christine Lagarde. Uh, and the reason for that is that although I believe in uh, the potential of uh, decentralized currency and the storage of value in such, such an asset class, I, I think that as it stands, it, it remains a very, very volatile asset class. And for that reason, if you're knowledgeable, if you feel you're confident in your investment, or very simply, if you feel you can take the loss, if, if, it, comes to, if it comes to that, then you can invest in it, but ultimately, as, as is the case in most contexts in investment, you, you need to understand your risk and uh, understand what you're investing in, right? So Cosmo, finally, where do you see the financial services industry in 20 years? FinTech, cryptocurrency, decentralized finance? Well, Mike, that's a, that's a very good question and a, 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 a complicated one to, to answer. It's difficult to predict the world, yeah. isn't it? Especially in such a, a volatile environment. At Davos, just a, just a week ago, they were referring to the current situation as a polycrisis. And, and I think that's, that's the nature of the economy we're living in. And it's one that's reflected in the conditions of financial markets. So. If you're entering markets today, you, you won't know the same animal uh, that investors 10 years ago did because the last 10 years have been uh, some of growth, of prosperity and of a lot less risk 
than what we're known to today. I think that very largely speaking, there needs to be a transition towards a circular economy, towards a stakeholder economy. Now, those are very broad concepts, but the second large companies especially find solutions to be sustainable, to be socially responsible. That's when financial markets would follow. And that might very well entail a cataclysmic shift in what financial markets represent. So in short, what what will financial markets look like 10 years from now? I think uh, they definitely won't have the same face. I think we are moving towards a society in which money needs to be invested responsibly and in which that will be reflected in the dynamics and structures of financial markets, which above all are an indicator of society's sentiment on, on the private sector and more. So thank you Cosmo for your time and I hope our listeners learned something from you. Thank you for your attention throughout this interview. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I will talk about a member of the European Parliament who got sanctioned because of serious misconduct. In fact, Eva Kelly has been serving as a member of the European Parliament since 2014. She was one of the 14 vice presidents of the European Parliament until she was charged and therefore arrested for corruption in December 2022. Corruption is a huge problem in today's society. More and more people, it could be individuals, political parties from other countries or NGOs, try to gain influence by corrupting with huge amounts of money and large gifts. The Greek politician was stripped of her position since she was involved in a scandal linked to Qatar. Eva Kali has suspected of having been paid by Doha, which is the capital of Qatar, to defend the interests of the Emirate, which was also hosting the World Cup at that time. Three other people have been jailed in this investigation by a Belgian investigation judge. The anti-corruption investigation has discovered 1.5 million euros cash at the homes of former Italian MEP Panzeri and Kelly. This proved that Qatar has been trying to influence the European Parliament's economic and political decisions. The country of Qatar therefore tried to influence decisions by offering gifts or play, paying large amounts of money to people with significant positions in the European Parliament. Of course, Kai's lawyer claims that she is innocent and rejects any accusations made against her. However, the large amounts of money in cash found in her possession prove that she was involved in this corruption scandal. Now you must probably ask yourself, how does it affect the credibility of the European Parliament? In fact, the scandal threatened and continues to threaten the credibility of the entire European Parliament an assembly that is often at the forefront of denouncing the corrupt practices of certain countries, for example, Hungary. The president of the European Parliament expressed fury, anger and sadness. She announced an internal inquiry to examine all the facts and a thorough review of the institution's procedures. Thank you, Isabel, for having given us a rundown on the situation in the European Parliament. With this second part of our new section, we are going to be talking about a country on the other side of the globe, 
who has just received some unexpected news that not only has come to surprise its local population, but to other world leaders as well. So if you haven't read a lot of international news in the past week, let me reveal to you what just happened. New Zealand's Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, just resigned. So a bit about her. Jacinda Ardern is New Zealand's 40th Prime Minister. She was elected in 2017 and has been at the head of the Labour Party until this year. She was the youngest Prime Minister of New Zealand of the past 150 years. She has a lot of experience under her belt, as she has been involved with politics since the age of 17, when she joined the Labour Party and helped with the re-election campaign of one of its members. So back to today and the reason we are talking about her. She announced her resignation in an announcement she made on January 19th, and is supposed to be stepping down no later than February 7th. This news came as a shock to New Zealanders. The Prime Minister said in her speech that she's leaving because, and I quote, with such privileged role comes responsibility. The responsibility to know when you are the right person to lead and when you are not. I know what this job takes, and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. Throughout her career as Prime Minister, she led the country through two consecutive mass shootings in 2019. The COVID-19 pandemic accompanied by a significant increase in the threats made by anti-vaccine groups as regulations were very strict, especially in New Zealand. So she definitely hasn't easy, like many other leaders. As the elections are only planned in October 2023, and Arden is stepping down early February, Chris Hipkins, the current Minister of Education and Policing, has been nominated, uncontested I might add, by the Labour Party's next leader. He'll be facing his biggest challenge yet, as he needs to convince the New Zealanders to give the Labour Party one more term without Arden's star power in their ranks. On top of that, the party has, in recent polls, been a bit behind their opposing party. So to see how this election goes, you'll have to wait until October. But looking at the situation as it is, it might be an interesting election. So that's all we have for you today on the news segment. We hope you've enjoyed it. Hi, it's Victor and Gillian. In this episode, we will present you two recipes and one life hack. The first recipe we have for you is creamy garlic shrimps, where you have to cook either pasta, rice, or mashed potatoes. And of course, the sear shrimps and make the creamy sauce. It's ready to serve in less than 20 minutes. And the second recipe is sweet, perfect for Valentine's Day. We found a recipe to make candy apples or pomme d'amour. You will find all the details of both recipes on our Instagram page at ESCP on air. Bon appétit! For the life hack section, we chose to talk about an app once again. We are happy to show you the application Carrots and its reverse psychology. So applying the carrot and stick philosophy, the app works for people who function better with some negative reinforcements. The app hurls insults at you every time you miss a day of your chosen habit or activity and rewards you with points and virtual kittens for every time you meet your goals. Well, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for your attention throughout this episode. We really enjoyed making it for you. You can find all the news from ESCP on air on our Instagram account and new LinkedIn page. See you next month. Bye.